0: Since Sunday, last Sunday, there's been something that's been stirring in my spirit, and I never realized that it was actually stirring in my spirit until I sat down last night and started preparing this message. It's kind of something that's been popping up to me throughout the whole seven days since we kind of decided we're going to be going down to Florida. Um... And I would even call it a missions trip to decide that we were since we decided we were going down to, you know, preach the gospel down there. And that question was, what's it worth? What is it worth? That's the title of this morning's message is what is it worth? What's it worth? That's something that gets said a lot. You know, maybe not in that exact way, but in some way shape or form some variety of that question gets asked you know um what's it worth to you uh that's not worth it or was it worth it or, you know there's many ways that we can ask that same question there's been times where man i pigged out on a meal and i felt terrible after and I, I, I said man, that wasn't worth it you know <laughs> it wasn't worth eating that to feel the way that i do right now you know um it's something that we say a lot we don't even realize. You know, what's it worth? Um, there's times where you might be in the mall or you might be uh, buying a piece of equipment or a, a new vehicle and it might be way too much money and you got to sit there and evaluate and Is this worth it to me? Is it worth for me to buy this pair of shoes? Is it worth it for me to buy this roller or this piece of machinery is it worth it for me to buy this new car um does it make sense for me to do things like that i'm looking to do is it worth maybe is it worth me doing something more bigger and drastic is is me picking up and relocating worth it doing that is me doing this is are there things that are worth our time are there things that are worth us actually doing them you know there's been times uh You know, who knows that the amount something is worth to you determines how important that thing is and what you will do with it. Uh, Bill, where's Bill at? I don't see him. He just sent me uh, something last week, um, a picture of these gold shoes. Uh, They're going viral lately. They're Donald Trump shoes. I don't know what's so great about these things, what's so spectacular about them, but some man just spent $9,000 on these shoes and bought these shoes. Don't know why. I don't know the significance of them. Um, For whatever reason, it was worth $9,000 to that guy. Um, Being obedient to the call of the Lord to go down to Florida uh, was something that was worth it to me, to be obedient to the Lord. So therefore, it was important that we went. There are some things that are worth something to me, that might not be worth anything to you. And there's some things that are worth something to you that might not be worth anything to me. There's value in everything that we do. But just because I value it doesn't mean that anybody else will value it. I would have never thought a second about buying shoes for $9,000, any pair of shoes, let alone bright gold Donald Trump shoes. But, it was, but it, was, it was not worth it. Why, why would I not think about it? Because it's not worth it. It's not any of value to me. I want to talk about a family in the Bible who also did not value something that was very important. This something that the, this family did not value was the presence of God. They did not value the presence of God. If we can turn our Bibles, if we can open our Bibles to first Samuel chapter 4 and we're going to start at verse 1 now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped in Aphek then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel and when they joined battle Israel was defeated By the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring, now listen to this, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the land of our enemies. Verse 4, so the people sent to Sh- that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons, here's the family, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Ph- Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. So the Israelites are in battle with, Phil- with the Philistines and there's 4,000 Israelites that get killed, Okay. They can't figure out why they got defeated. So they have this great idea to take the Ark of the Covenant and battle with them, okay? Kind of like using the Ark as a good luck charm. They looked at this Ark, and the Ark, we talked about it last Sunday in church, that the Ark of the Covenant was like this box. It was a God box that represented the presence of the Lord, okay? And they looked at this thing as... Well maybe, just maybe 4,000 of us got killed if we bring the presence of God with us then we might beat the Philistines but here's the thing with this army they look at the ark as just an item they didn't look at the ark as the actual tangible presence of the Lord so when they took this item that they thought was actually a good luck charm, that they thought was actually going to help them beat the Philistines, don't, get, don't hear me wrong what I'm saying. With the power of God, we can do anything. But when we look at the power of God as a power and just that, it'll never happen for us. Okay. So they send people to Shiloh to get the ark and there's the family that I was talking about Hophni and Phinehas Whose father was Eli? So I'm going to explain to you guys who Eli was Do you guys remember like a chapter before that when Eli uh, Is the priest and Samuel's like sleeping and God says Samuel And he goes to Eli the priest to say yes You called? So, you guys remember this story? That's who Eli is, okay? So, he had those two sons, Hafni and Phinehas. So, these were like the PKs, the pastor's kids. This was like Josh and Jake and Alex, okay? Um, So, but we'll hopefully, in Jesus' name, we'll never be like Hafni and Phinehas because these were some bad dudes. So, it goes on to say that they take the Ark of the Covenant and along with them go Hafni and Phinehas, okay? So verses 10 and 11 go on to say the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. Even after they brought in the ark, the presence of God, or how could we lose? Now we had the presence of God with us, but newsflash, they still lost. And this time 30,000 people died, it says. There was a great slaughter, a great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 soldiers And also, the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. So not only 30,000 people died because of this crazy act that they did, Hophni and Phinehas were also killed along with that 30,000. But most importantly, most importantly, the ark was stolen by the Philistines. The presence of God was stolen from Israel. Further down it says that Phinehas' wife, when she heard her husband died, went into labor. And she named her son Ichabod. Is anybody naming their kid Ichabod? That doesn't sound like a, it's not an easy name to say. But I'll tell you why you shouldn't name your son Ichabod too. Because Ichabod means the glory has departed from Israel. It goes on to say in verse 21, Then she named the child Ichabod, saying the glory has departed from Israel because the ark has been captured. And listen to this. And because her father-in-law and her husband, the glory of the Lord was stolen from Israel. Because of her father-in-law and because of her husband, Phinehas. See, somewhere along the line, I believe something happened to this family. Something happened to Eli. Something happened to Hophni. Something happened to Phinehas. Something went wrong. See, Eli was a priest. And it says uh, earlier in the chapter that his two sons were doing very, very sinful things doing very simple things. It says that everyone knew it. They weren't hiding it anymore. Everyone knew it. You know, it, I wasn't, it reminds me of, of me. When my father was the pastor, is the pastor, and I kind of ventured off and did my own thing. And I was, I was, started doing some very sinful things. And I got to the point where I didn't let anybody, uh, I let everybody know it. What I was doing, I wasn't trying to hide it anymore. You know, the only people I was trying to hide it from was my parents, but they—they knew. You know, I remember one time they seen a video of me uh, with a drink, and I called my dad. Was like, "Yeah, that was like fruit punch or something. That wasn't." And they were like, "Okay, son." You know, Um, and you know, we get to this point where we try, where we think we're, we're we're doing good by hiding it, but we get to the point where it's like, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to do me. You know. And that's where Hofmein and was, where something happened to these guys. Maybe they start, I'm just using my imagination, maybe, maybe they were faithful followers of, of the Lord. Maybe they really believed in their father's teachings. Maybe they were actually involved in the church. And then something happened. Maybe, maybe they got hurt. Maybe, maybe they seen something. I don't know. Where they fell away. And this was the greatest mistake that could have ever happened to them. Because it led to their death. Their spiritual death and their physical death. Eli would say to them, I hear these evil things you are doing from all the people. But who will intercede for you if you sin against God? If you sin against man, man can pray for you. But if you sin against God, who's going to pray for you? Somewhere along the line, this family lost the value of the presence of God. They lost the fear of God. Long before they actually lost the actual ark of the Lord, the ark of God, they lost the presence of God in their heart, in their life. They lost the fear of the Lord. Somewhere along the line, this family allowed compromise to sit in. Something had to happen for a priest and his sons to live this way. It says that before this man came to Eli and told him that his sons were dead and that the ark was gone, that Eli was there and his heart trembled. He was like freaking out. Oh my God, what did my kids do? The ark's not here. What's going to happen? Where to go? I lost it. How can I lose the ark? What did I do? These people are going to kill me, right? And this guy tells him that, Eli, your sons are dead. Hophni and Phinehas. And then he said, and the ark has been stolen. But here's the crazy thing, guys it says that Eli fell over and died. But he didn't fall over and die when he was told his, parent, his kids were dead. He fell over and died after he got told the presence of God got stolen. That's how serious this is, guys. The presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant got stolen, got stolen from the Israelites. See, I believe something happened along the line way before even uh, Hophni and Phinehas, something happened with Eli, you know, where he began to kind of fall away from the Lord. Um, you know, the name of this book is 1 Samuel. It talks about the great prophet Samuel, right? He's a prophet of the Lord Samuel. When Samuel's mother, Hannah, was praying to, to have Samuel, to become pregnant with Samuel, Uh, Eli saw her and thought she was drunk because she was praying and moving her mouth and it says no words were coming out of her mouth so he said why are you drinking it's the middle of the day this man didn't even know when somebody was praying what happened to this guy there was another event happening we touched on it briefly where Samuel was sleeping and the Lord began to uh, speak to Samuel it took Eli Three times. Took Eli three times before he realized that the Lord was speaking to him. It says, in those days, there was no widespread revelation. Why was the Lord speaking to Samuel and not Eli? What happened? Why did Eli stop hearing God's voice? What happened? Did he lose the value of the presence of God long before his children lost the Ark of the Covenant? I say yes. I say yes, he did. What I fear, like Eli and many of uh, uh, his sons, Eli, uh, uh, Phinehas, and Hophni, what I fear is happening to many Christians is that we are losing the value of the presence of God. This is going to cut deep. I feel that we are losing the fear of God. We have lost the reverence of God. There is compromise that is slowly starting to slip in. Have we lost the fear of God? Have we lost reverence of the Lord? Is this too deep for a Sunday morning? Is this too early for this? Man, I'm sorry. (laughs) Does anyone in here? Maybe somebody in here feels like we've lost the presence of God. Like maybe the presence of God got stolen from me. Does anyone feel like maybe the presence of God got stolen from from themselves this morning? My question to you is if you feel like you lost the presence of God this morning, where did you lose them at? Where did you lose the presence of God at this morning? Let's retrace our steps. That's what you do when you lose something, right? When you lose your keys, well, okay, I was here, I was there. Let me retrace my steps where I lost the presence of God. I remember this church service I went to, okay. Uh, I remember this altar call I responded to, yeah, okay, I still had them there. I remember this revelation I got in my prayer closet, uh okay, I still had them there. Um, You know, and then and I kind of messed up here. I kind of messed up there. Uh, I start answering this guy's phone call. I start going over to that place. Maybe I, man, no, maybe I lost it. There. No, I lost. I, now I know where I lost the presence. Of. So we start retracing our our steps. Where have we lost? The presence of God. I was speaking with somebody the other day. When we serve the Lord, we must be intentional. What does that mean? Intentional with who you talk to and who you don't talk to. Uh, Where you go and where you don't go. What you say and what you don't say. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. If we have lost the presence of God, I hate to tell you, it's your own fault. (laughs) If I lose the presence of God, it's my own fault. Hophni and Phinehas, the reason why the ark got stolen, it was their fault. They were there with the ark when these people came to them and said, hey, I need the ark of the covenant, we're going into battle. Their job was to say, no, this this can't leave here. This has to stay. it's our own fault did we bring the presence of God somewhere he should not have been second Corinthians 316 says don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Ghost and I believe Paul was saying this to the Corinthians like like do you not know this that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost Where do we bring our temple? Is compromise starting to sit into our temple? I look at compromise like mold. Once it gets in there, it's hard to get out. And you've got to do some extensive cleaning and call ServPro and get people there to get the mold out, to get the compromise out. What do we allow into our temple? What do we allow into our eyes? What do we allow into our ears? Remember, be intentional. Are we looking at things we shouldn't be looking at? Are we listening to things we shouldn't be listening to? What are we allowing into our temple? Are we allowing something else into our temple that is flushing out the presence of God? When we value the presence of God in our lives, there's things that we do that show to prove that. Matthew twelve thirty three says a tree is known by its fruit. Do we value the Holy Spirit or do we value the flesh? Where is our priorities this morning? Do we prioritize the things of the Spirit or do we prioritize the things of the flesh? Do we value love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control? Do we value these things? Do we value love? Do we value gentleness? Do we value self control? That's a big one self control. Or do we value things of the flesh? Do we value adultery? Do we value idolatry? Do we value hatred, jealousy, envy, drunkenness? Because it says in the Scriptures that these are the works of the flesh, not the devil. We give the devil too much credit. But these things are the uh, the works of our flesh. Do we put our flesh above You know why it's so hard to serve the Lord is because it goes against our flesh. But when we are filled with the Spirit, it makes it easy. Do we only use God when we need Him? Like the army of Israel wanted to use the ark to help them win against the Philistines? Or do we really have the presence of God in our lives daily? What is the presence of God worth to you? Is it important enough to keep in your life and not lose it? Is the presence of the, of the Lord, is the presence of God important enough for you to guard it with your life? See, we have to protect the testimony that we have. Nowadays, all it takes is a half a second to take a picture of and post something and your whole reputation is ruined and everybody knows everything about you and everybody caught you in a moment that you shouldn't have been in are we only christians here on point pleasant road in the parking lot in the building and then when we go home where's where's god where where'd he go do we leave the ark here And we leave? Or do we take that ark with us? Do we take the presence of God with us? Is it important enough to keep the presence of God in your life and not lose it? So let's jump forward a little bit. It says that the Philistines bring the ark back because God strikes them with tumors and starts killing them just a side note God's still God God still has his way even though the presence of God was misused and got stolen he still killed the Philistines and he still killed the people of Ekron even while the Israelites were not there right so the ark is brought into the house of a man named Abinadab and it stays there for 20 years and we don't hear anything else about the ark until 2 Samuel chapter 6 If we can turn there so in here and now in 2 Samuel King David is now he's king over all Israel and he makes the decision to bring the ark back to Israel he decides to bring the glory back to the presence, uh, bring the glory back to Israel. To bring the presence of God back. How many feel like they need to do that today? Man, I need to bring the presence of God back in my life. I need to bring the presence of God back in my home. I need to bring the presence of God back in my family, back in my business, back in my relationships, back in, maybe back in my phone, maybe back in my wallet. I need the presence of God everywhere in my life. See, the thing about King David was he was a man after God's own heart. He wanted what the Lord wanted. And he was intentional. He decided to bring the presence of God back into their life. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 3. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah in Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. So Uzzah, I want you to pay attention, Uzzah is the son of Abinadab. Okay? Verse 6 and 7, And when they came to uh, Nakon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand on the ark of God and took hold of it, For the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And then God struck him there for his error or his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. Uzzah, the son of Abinadab, touches the ark and dies. Here's a question. How come Uzzah did not know this? How come Uzzah did not know that I'm not supposed to touch anything that is holy lest I die. Like it was taught in the Bible. It says that in Deuteronomy, I believe. Do not touch anything that is holy or you'll die. Why did Uzzah not know this? The ark was in his house for 20 years. He grew up with this thing. He grew, did they use the ark as a coffee table? I mean, this was something that was in their house for 20 years. What happened to this family? That he thought he can actually touch this thing. You would think his father would have known better and told him that. Man, his father really didn't value his son's life, did he? Benadab did not value Uzzah. Because if he did, he would have told him, listen, my boy. If you touch this thing, you're going to die. Don't go anywhere near this thing. Don't even look at it because you might die. Why didn't he tell his son this? Did the presence of God become familiar to him? Did the presence of God just become no big deal to this family? Did they grow accustomed to the presence of God? This indescribable thing to be in, did they grow accustomed to it? Because I don't know about you guys, but a moment in the presence of God just completely wrecks me. Why did they not value the presence of God? Parents, I want to tell you something. Value the presence of God. Value his presence. Why? Why? So our children can value the presence of God. Parents, let's teach our kids the importance of the presence of God. Our kids look to us. We can't just depend on the children's teachers to teach our kids on a Sunday, one time for 45 minutes, hey, Elijah, Samson, Jack, value the presence of the Lord. And they're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? We show them by the way we act. Remember we said that a tree is known by its fruits. How will our kids know to value the presence of the Lord? Because we will value the presence of the Lord. Because we have reverence of the Lord. We have fear of the Lord. So therefore, my children will have reverence of the Lord. We'll have fear of the Lord. We'll have uh, uh, value of the Lord of the Lord please teach your children so in uh, verse 9 chapter 6 verse 9 David uh, it's his second attempt so let's read that 2 Samuel chapter 6 verses 9 through 12 David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said how can the ark of the Lord come to me so he's trying to figure out man how can I get the presence of the Lord David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom in all his household, because that's what the presence of the Lord does. It brings favor to your life. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom, And all all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. He brings the glory back to Israel. The city of David, he brings the presence of God back. David makes a second attempt to get the presence of God back in Israel because sometimes it takes persistence to get in his presence. Sometimes things don't happen as fast as we want them to. Serving the Lord and dwelling in his presence takes time. It takes persistence. So many times we serve the Lord like he's a vending machine. And, you know, I'm going to go to this vending machine, to the God vending machine, and I want some peace. You want, you want some peace, honey? I'll get you some peace. All right, put in some A2. All right, $2, that's some cheap peace. All right. Alright, all right, here, right, here's your piece. Boom. Oh, you want some presents, The presence of the Lord? Man. No, I got man, I'm finally, that was man, that was quick. It's not like that. It's not like that. Let me tell you guys something. Psalms 91. It it, it doesn't, what does it say? Those who go once into the secret place, dwell in the Most High, uh, uh, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the pre No. It doesn't say go, he who goes once. No, he, he who frequently visits. No, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells, what does dwell mean? I talked about this last time when I preached. When you dwell in the presence of the Lord, you stay. You inhabit the presence of the Lord. Well, well Josh, how can I dwell? What am I, just supposed to stay in my closet all the time? Like never leave? No. Like, no. Remember, we are the temple. Three, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.16, I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. I carry the presence of the Lord with me. I dwell in His presence. For He will abide in me and I will abide in Him. Right? Where are we at? Stay in the presence of God no matter how long it takes or how many attempts. Stay in His presence. Stay in His presence. It takes it might take, sometimes, man, you get down on your knees in your closet or you get in, and boom, you're there. But sometimes it takes some plowing. Sometimes it takes a couple minutes. Sometimes it takes a little time. 2 Samuel six sixteen. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, uh, Saul's daughter, his first wife, David's first uh, wife, Michal, uh, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Okay, Mikhail saw David leaping and whirling before the Lord and despised him. See, let me tell you guys something, that when you get the presence of the Lord back in your life, everyone is not going to be as happy as you are. Everybody's not going to be leaping and whirling and dancing and, and freaking out and being happy for you. It's just not, not everybody is as happy as you think they are, believe it or not. Not everyone wants to see you have the Spirit of the Lord back in your life. Maybe they lost a friend. Man, now I can't hang out with that guy no more. maybe maybe they're just maybe they want the presence of God in their lives. Maybe they want the presence of the Lord in their lives. Well and and, and I can't have the presence of the God in my life because man, I'm just too bad. I, I can't I can't. I'm not good enough for the presence of the Lord. Not everybody's gonna be as happy for you as you want them to be. There's gonna be some haters. There's going to be some people that are going to want to hold you back. That's going to be looking through their window and despising you for serving the Lord. There's going to be these people. But let me tell you something about David, which I believe he knew well before it was written in 2 Corinthians 3.17 that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I said where the Spirit of the Lord is, There is freedom. Let me tell you that God's presence brings freedom. God's presence changes the atmosphere. After we got off stage, I said to Raquel, I said, man, it was so God that we played that song, that you even said that, Athena, to play that song, because Jesus' presence, it changes everything. Jesus changes everything. He changes the atmosphere. We talked about this this morning in the office in 1 Kings chapter 8. It says that the presence of God filled the temple. This is King David's son, Solomon, right? The temple that Solomon built, it filled the temple. It says the cloud filled the house of the Lord, and the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, because the heaviness, the heaviness of the presence of God. The presence of God changes everything. Changes everything, guys presence of god changes everything i want to read you guys something this is uh some statistics on bible reading right does everybody read the bible nobody great awesome (laughs) all right we're gonna (laughs) that's good we'll stay here a little bit longer i guess so some studies showed uh you know did some research on bible reading and how it affects someone okay Studies showed one time a week showed no difference. Somebody, if you read the Bible once a week, congratulations, nothing happened, okay? Two times a week, same thing, no results. Three times a week showed some slight differences, okay? But they see the real difference happened when people read their Bible four or more times a week, okay? I'm going to tell you what what they noticed. That feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Adultery drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Looking at things you shouldn't be looking at drops 61%. Listen to this. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. Discipling others jumps 230%. Guys, what is the presence of God worth to us? What is it worth? The presence of God changes everything. The Word of God changes everything. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. We're reading this thing here. We're we're reading the words of God. We are reading what God is saying. This is the voice of God. You're not hearing from the Lord. Are you reading your Bible? I'm not hearing from the Lord, Pastor. I'm not hearing from the Lord, uh, Josh. I'm not hearing from the Lord... Well, my question to you is if you're not hearing from the Lord, have you read the Bible today? Because this is who God is. This is who the Lord is. So, how can I hear from the Lord if I don't read His Word? His Word changes the direction, changes the direction of our life. You see in these statistics, it it brings, uh, uh, it brings sharing your faith to 200%. To discipling others to 200%. That is changing the direction of your life and somebody else's. The presence of God in your life, once we value it, once we really, really realize what the presence of God is worth to someone, to you, to me, that is when... Lives will be changed. That's when your life will be. That's when my life will be. That's when everything changes. The presence of God changes everything. What is it worth to you? Is the presence of God worth freedom to you? Is it worth bondage? What is the the presence of God worth to you? Galatians 4, 8 and 9 says, it says, why would you go back to bondage? Now that you've experienced freedom, why would you go back? The Word of God, the presence of God, the Lord Himself changes everything. Why would I go back to my bondage now that I've experienced freedom? How close are we to, uh, uh, to experiencing freedom but we fail to reach it because we rather hold on to our bondage? Man, we're right there. I've seen this picture before. It's of a, uh, of a guy. He's, uh, he's got a, a pick in his hand, and he's mining, and he's mining, and he's mining, and he's, mining and he's mining. And he's like, oh, I'm giving up. Well, in the picture, here's, here's where he's at, and then here's where he stops, and then right here is all the diamonds. And it's like he just had to go a little bit more. Just a little bit more. How long are we going to sit in bondage because we just like it? We get comfortable in our little jail cell. We got a couch. We uh, got a a pillow. We got a blanket. We got a TV. And we get comfortable sitting in our bondage. But God has so much more in store for us. Amen? And how do we receive that freedom? By receiving the presence of God this morning. Luke, if you could start playing that song. I want Luke to play that song um, that we played this morning. Show us your glory. It says that chains will fall. You know, fear has to bow. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Have we lost the value of the presence of God? Have we become okay with the compromise that we have started in our lives? We must pray for God to restore us. King David said it like this in Psalms 51. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Wrong song, Luke. (laughs) Show us your glory, my passion, our holy ground. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Guys, let's pray to the Lord to take me back to our first love. It's time that we fear the Lord again. It's time that the fear of the Lord is restored back in our lives. That reverence is restored back in our lives. It's time we start teaching our children the fear of the Lord. That we start instilling in them at a young age the presence of God. It's time we start speaking this to our spouses and talking about this with our husbands and our wives, about the presence of the, of the Lord. The presence of God changes everything. His word changes everything. I said His word changes everything. Is it time? It's time that we stop compromising. It's time That we start to live a righteous life for the Lord. What is His presence worth to us? What is the presence of God worth to us? Many of us can say, you know, I need the presence of God back in in my life. How many can say that this morning? Man, I need the presence of God back in my life this morning. I need some restoration. I drifted away from His presence. Maybe just a little bit. I drifted away from His presence. I don't feel the Lord as strong as I once did in my life. And the only one who can help us today, church, is God. The only one who can restore God back in our lives is God. The only one who can bring His presence back in our lives is Him. I need help shutting these doors in my life. I creeped open the door to to compromise and now it's too far open. I can't shut it. But God's here waiting for you to help you shut those doors of compromise in our lives. I urge you, church. I challenge you. If we could all stand to our feet. If this word is spoken to you in any way, if this, at any point during this message you felt the Holy Spirit convict you and tug on your heart, man, maybe, Lord, I'm sorry. I need to repent. Maybe we need to repent this morning. Maybe there are some things that we've done that made us drift away from the presence of God this morning. If at any point the Holy Spirit tugged on your heart, I urge you, I challenge you, come to these altars right now. Come to these altars. Repent to the Lord. Ask God to restore His presence back in your life. Come on. If if this word spoke,